0: From KLF to Elastica and Doff Punk, the UK's 90s radio station.
1: Absolute Radio
0: 90s.
2: which I mean, it's, it's, does that feel weird to say that?
1: It certainly does. It's uh, you know, it, you know, in, in in one moment you feel like it can't be 25 years, and then you have a look at the photos from the time and think, oh, it's 25 years. <laughs> it's you definitely know? been 25 years. But what's lovely about it for me is that when I listen to it, because obviously I've, um, we're gonna sort of play it. We've got gigs where we're gonna. I've never really played the album in its entirety or kind of recreated the sound of the album. So I've had to listen to it a fair bit at the moment. And what's quite cool is I think when you make records, you're really hoping that they'll sound good in 25 years. And 25 years seems like it's never going to be 25 years. (laughs) And it does sound... You know, I don't mean, oh, we sound great. I just mean (laughs) the sound of it and what it is. Because I hear a lot of records from that era, from that Britpop era. And I love the fact that it actually doesn't sound like any of those records at all i don't think it's got a really different sound to it and yeah, yet it fits in
2: it's very different to like i say an oasis record i think and and, that, and and as you say in hindsight that's probably a good
1: thing yeah i mean even at the time i mean it is it's different to a cast record oasis record a manic record, you know I, I think all the things that were around at the time and yet there was a common thread that went through it which was i think you know a love of songs and um you know it does fit right in with it but it's different so i, I think that's kind of uh, yeah it's cool
2: Mm, yeah, it's quite a nice place to be, I guess. Yeah, um, You mentioned that you're going to recreate it on the road. Um, the tours pretty much across the whole country uh, include the London Palladium on November 7th and the Philharmonic Hall in Liverpool on the 27th of November. How's that going to be, doing it live? Because as you mentioned, it's, it's not particularly a, a kind of bare-bones record. There's quite a lot going on. It's quite an atmospheric record at times. Is that going to be difficult, do you think?
1: Well, at the time, I decided that, you know, a good song should be able to, to be played on... You know, they all say it should be played on an acoustic guitar, should be this that and the other... And I had never played live before Jollification. You know, it was the first Lightning Seeds gigs. It was the third album, but we'd never—I'd never really, you know—had a band, so I had to put That's together crazy, a band. Isn't it? Yeah, no, it's 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 an odd. I mean, less odd now, probably. I think probably because at the time, you know, the technology that you have now wasn't available. So the idea that I recorded all the, you know, it was quite a convoluted process. Yeah, yeah, really, but, yeah. You know? Not like now. A lot of a a old MacBook samplers. Yeah, I mean, anyone <laughs> can do it on a train now. You know. <laughs> Um, So it was a sort of an unusual situation, you know, probably, you know, more like the hip-hop producers were working, which was De La Soul was a bit of an inspiration to me. Oh, right. You know, because I heard that album and it was loops and it was people, to, and I I felt like, you know, I wonder if you could make songs that way as well. Mm. Uh, And I wasn't sure that you could. And then I had uh, my friend and engineer, Chenzo Townsend. And Simon Rogers, who I'd met when I'd produced The Fall, who was a, a brilliant musician and very into his sampling and all that, and we sort of the three of us sat in the house and had old records and sort of took bits off him, and you know approached it like we were approaching that sort of record, but tried to make it fit under songs, and that was kind of the the idea of the album. Yeah. Uh, so, when we came to play it live, I decided not to bother <laughs> with yeah. any of that. Um, just to play them like a beat group, which is what yeah. we did. And it's kind of continued from there. But now it feels like it would it's its not going to be too hard to kind of recreate it in quite a cool no, way. No, as
2: you say, I think now with the technology, that would be yeah. much easier. Um, was that the idea then? Do so you, you had a kind of an idea about how this, or did that just sort of come out
1: in the early sessions? You know, I I definitely had that that idea. I mean, I suppose I was building up to it with the two previous albums. The first album, you know, I'd I'd basically bought a sampler and a drum machine and figured out how to work it while I was making the record. And then that became quite limiting, but I felt like I'd tried recording a live band and it just didn't feel like it was the Lightning Seeds, whatever that Mm. was. Um, But then, you know, hearing you know, like a few things, or a couple of other things, I was like, well, they are using real drummers, but they take on a different, a different feeling because they're looped. Yeah, yeah. But the sound is 60s records, which I love. Yeah. So it was almost like, well, these do sound like all those records I love. Can I kind of use this, you know? And, uh so it was de- it was definitely i mean to be fair that is the way modern records are made now yeah. so i think i was probably just if, if you slightly want to early a pioneer feel free well I, d- I don't know if i was a pioneer and people you know probably do it better than we did but it's certainly at the time i can't think of anyone particularly who was doing it in no. in the way that we did it and then it became kind of the way to make records but but that's partly because the technologies Come on. So at the time, you know, I was producing records, so I kind of had access. I bought a a big two-inch tape machine and I had it in the back of the kitchen, you know, and so dotted around the house was all this quite, you know, high-end recording gear. And I think the reason everything's gone that way is because now, as you said a laptop will do it all yeah but that's quite
2: nice i mean and i think it goes back to what we were saying before about how it sounds different to a lot of the other albums out of that time i think the the process was obviously a little bit different and uh, your influences you mentioned de la soul there that's that's not really a, a particularly brit pop influence if we are going to call it that
1: yeah i mean i have to say i mean that was an influence in the type in the in the way of recording mm. and probably wasn't you know the king song yeah <laughs>
2: So, uh, with the album uh, itself, do you? Uh, you said you, you've revisited recently. What were your feelings, sort of going back to it? Did you? Did
1: you want to change anything, or did you? Were you pretty happy with it? To be fair, I, I think I've. I would change everything on every record I've ever done. <laughs> if you open that box, <laughs> you know yeah, what, what I mean. Problem, but yeah. I don't really want to open that box. Um, so, yeah, the, you know, there's a couple of bits that I, you know, that I'd love to change. And in a way, I will change them slightly for live to make them work. Mm. And you know, I'm not gonna be creative with that recreation. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's not gonna be you know, you may as well play the record if it's just gonna be yeah. exactly the same. So I'm kinda of taking the sound of it, but I am taking it to a slightly different place in a couple of in a couple of ways. You're not you're not uh, going down the Bob Dylan route where you change everything completely? No, that's that's a real that's a real change, it's too much work. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's just mumbling, I think. Um, <laughs>
2: Um, So the 25 years, I mean,
1: we said earlier it's quite
2: a long time. Um, How's things sort of changed in in the record industry for you? I mean, is it unrecognisable now or is it still pretty similar from where you're standing?
1: Uh, No, I think it's very different. You know, I think probably the revolution in music that was started by Dylan, the Beatles and, uh, you know, Brian Wilson, people like that who sort of turned it from just being a sort of section of show business where you had... Singers, Timpanelli writing the songs for them. We, there's been a big return to that, really, with X Factor and and all those kind of things. And there's all these very talented singers who you know I have great respect for. But it's a different thing than trying to the art of making a record and taking the technology somewhere else and making something amazing, like mm. I don't know, you know, Sergeant Pepper or Pet Sounds and stuff like that. You know, so I do think that over the last little while, it's 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 moved in the wrong things that I absolutely love at the moment. There's a lot of there's a lot of music that, you know, is just it's just great that people make at home and mm-hmm. I love all those homemade little recordings that people, you know, don't have much on. Um I love all that really. So it's kinda like the rough with the smooth really, but it is yeah. different. I, mean, I think I, it's about songs Yes, yeah, not albums, really. Yeah, which uh, is
2: kind of a shame because you know, I don't. I, there's not too many albums we'll
1: be sitting down with in 25 years' time and talking about in the same way as we're talking about Jolification, maybe. Absolutely, and 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 so you know the whole landscape of the way you do things has changed. But to be honest, I almost feel like um, I have a much greater freedom because you know I I, I think it, it's been a very interesting time for me because. The, we've been playing live quite a lot the last couple of years more than we had previously and there's a real new energy been breathed into the band like the people in the band are great at the moment and it's inspired me to write new material so for the first time I have like a bunch of songs that I think are really are lightning seed songs which I haven't really had since 1999 I don't think you know <laughs> I haven't in my mind felt yeah. like these songs are proper lightning seed songs but work now as well they don't sound you know they don't, they're not uh, I don't mean the recreations of an old sound. They still, yeah. they sound like they've they sound like now as well. Um, and whereas I realise where I am in my life, I do think that it feels at the moment like. And then the twenty fifth anniversary's come along as well. So we've kind of, as you said, we've put on sale the first gigs. We've played events over the last few years and festivals and bits, but we've never really, other than one gig with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, we've never really done. Our own shows, so when the idea of putting the Palladium and the Philharmonic, which are two very iconic venues Mm. for me, particularly, you know, I think I have a lot of, you know, I I have a lot of the the Philharmonic Hall is in Hope Street in Liverpool, which is a road that I lived on for a while. It's got two cathedrals on it: the Art College that the Beatles went to, and the Royal Philharmonic uh, Orchestra. It's a sense uh, of history. Yeah. So it's a pretty cool place to play, and it's a lovely hall. Uh, so it 's great for me to do that hometown gig, yeah, yeah, and then the Palladium, you know I have memories of John Lennon telling the Queen to rattle the jewelry and all that sort of <laughs> stuff, and seeing it on all these documentaries, but i 've never played there, so I've it was like oh, no, well. so it was it was a you know that that idea when they suggested it really appealed to me um and i you know i 've been kind of absolutely thrilled with the you know that they 're both pretty much you know that 've sold out, and the tickets are gone, so we've put these other gigs on sale for March basically where we go around the country a little bit, but also at the same time, you know, I'm really very excited about the fact that there's going to be a new record in the new year, first one really in earnest for about 20 years. Mm. And I feel like there's, there's a sort of uh, a last chapter being written that's a quite a cool chapter
2: yeah.
1: uh, for the Lightning Seeds. So, I, and I wasn't expecting that really, so it's a lovely moment for me. Absolute Radio 90s. Absolute Radio 90s,
0: now available across the UK on digital radio and wherever you are with the Absolute Radio app. is The moment, the end of the line, you'll never decide. You used to know, but now you've forgotten. A submarine got stuck to the bottom. These are the days, so wake up, because this is the time. And you know I'm
2: right. Can we talk about uh, your production work? Because I don't know if um, too many people would know. You're a really experienced producer. I mean the the amount of albums you've worked on is incredible.
1: I'm a reluctant producer, you know, I've never <laughs> wanted to be a producer <laughs> Really? Never want to do it. It and screaming now. Why not? Well, the first production that I ever did was for a band called Echo and the Bunny Men yeah. who were my pals really, you know, and a uh, you know, a couple of them were a bit older than me, a couple of them were a bit younger, so it was quite an odd thing to be working um, to be working with your mates. Um, and I remember when it originally was suggested, you know, because I had a few ideas on how they should arrange the songs, and they said, you know, would you be up for, uh, you know, I remember the, the, the record company and the manager, friend, would you be up for producing a couple of tracks? And I was like, well, you know, I'm not a producer. And they said, well, you know, would you like to, would you like to try? And I was like, not really, I feel like it's I'm a songwriter, and that's mm. crossing a line into the opponent's, Area. <laughs> you know, I don't know why I felt like that. <laughs> I can they, sort of see that though, because yeah. it's, it's, it's not a management position, but it's sort of yeah. a, a little bit well, more well, Certainly, on that side. as an 18 year old, you know, I was like, well, I don't know about that, you know. And, <laughs> and then, was, funnily enough, Bill Drummond, who was the manager, who uh, later, you know, was the KLF and various things, mm. and uh, a bit of a pop anarchist, I suppose. He's, he's self styled. But, um, and he said to me, Well, you know, that we really want you to do it. And this is the most ridiculous thing, really. He said to me, what about if we make up an alternative universe name for you and you do it under that persona? (laughs) Like a pseudonym? Yeah, which sounds like the most stupid thing in the world. And I thought, yeah, that would work. So we made up the name and I I became Kingbird for that period of time. (laughs) And actually those records don't have my name on, they just say a Kingbird production. And for some reason I felt comfortable doing it under that guise. So I've I've always been, you know, s- slightly reluctant and, I, and I've never wanted to be a jobbing producer, mm. as it were. I always wanted to work with people. And I think mainly the people I've worked with in the main, not all of them, have become my friends throughout my life, really. and A lot of the bands I've worked with, I felt like, you know, emotionally I'd kind of given a lot. And I, I prefer to work with bands through their career in the same way I, you know... A Rick Rubin or a George Martin mm. or a Phil Spector would do. That that interests me a lot more than you know going in for two days writing a tune and then saying "Terrah" and seeing if it's in the charts. I, I so it's more kind know, of like a collaboration rather I, I than you're just a like, in producer. Yeah, I feel like it was a collaboration, but you weren't allowed to say that in those days, or it wasn't allowed to be that because everything was a bit more formal. Mm. Now, you know, I don't, I haven't really produced anything at all since the Miles Kane record, and mm. and around that, I, I stopped producing for. A, for a good ten, twelve years, really, Uh because I, you know, just became a job that I didn't want to do. But I think if I can collaborate with people, then I'm happy. Yeah.
2: So, was it a process you enjoyed? A job you enjoyed, or was it, I know you were reluctant to do it? But when you're actually in the studio, you obviously enjoy
1: it, I guess. I'm obsessed with music, so you know, it was a great thing for me to be ensconced in a studio. Different bands coming in and out. I learnt a lot from those bands, and hopefully, they learnt off me. And I, and I learnt that everyone has their own way of doing things and the really you think there's rules but there isn't make that work and <laughs> they do you know and 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 it gives you a great respect for the just the serendipity of different people in the room and how everything changes all the time depending who's there you know in the same equipment the same room it becomes a completely different place with a totally different atmosphere so it was a brilliant grounding for me to get to work with all those people different type of people
2: What was it like working with the Zootons? Because that debut album was was a big record at the time.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Zootons was a different thing, really. The Choral was, um, you know, a, a, a sort of functioning band. The Zootons were very much looking for an identity, and, and it was kind of more of a, a put-together band by Alan Wills, who ran Deltasonic, and he thought these people might work well together. Mm. So it was kind of like a rhythm section, who were almost session-y you know, a a real wild card singer, you know, (laughs) with his pal. And, you know, and they were... So we worked quite a lot before the album over a period of time while I was working with the choral and we chatted a lot, Dave and I, about songs and played records and thought of a... just tried to really bring out an identity for them. So I thought the first album was quite an odd-sounding record Mm. at the time and still is. And my overriding feeling was, you know, it had to be an odd sounding record because they were in danger of sounding just not, you know, It's hard to to express it without it sounding a bit weird.
2: Yeah, there was a lot of bands at that time, especially in in England, and I guess if you made made a record that sounded like all the others, you're going to get lost in there. And that debut record does sound very different. It's quite percussive at times. And that
1: that was my my thought, was how can I bring out all the oddities of this band rather than get rid of them and stress the norm? So everyone was kind of pressuring me to make them sound normal, and I kind of... There were a lot of heated arguments, actually, where I was, no, let's let's Lily really go with what's not normal about this band.
0: You
2: know? Yeah. So would, were you given the job by the uh, the record company, or was it the band that came to you? Well, or with, you-
1: the, with the Coral and the Zootons, they were both unsigned bands when I worked with them. So there was no, uh, you know, a, a pal of mine, Alan, he, you know, he was the manager, really, and he kind of had made up the label at that time. It hadn't really become a reality. Um, So really, you know, it was a moment in my life when I'd sort of stopped doing... I almost just turned off the lightning seeds and was wondering what to do. Mm. And I kind of, you know, ended up doing... Back in Liverpool, working with a couple of unsigned bands and bringing them through. Really, that's how I saw it. Uh, And so I think when people think, oh, yeah, the Coral and the Zootons, you know, they weren't the Coral and (laughs) the Zootons at that point. They were just a bunch of kids who were in bands, yeah.
2: I love that they come from Liverpool. It's almost like you're the godfather of Liverpool. Everything has to go through you. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> um, but actually, it's funny you say that debut album is slightly different because it kind of reminded me a little bit of Jollification, not in the fact that they sound similar, but in the fact that they are different records from a, a time where a lot of the records did sound the
1: same. Yeah, no, I think that that is the case uh, in that way. You know, it's, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely... They had a lot of songs and, you know, I ditched a lot of the songs and just tried to really work on the ones that sounded not like anyone else. Mm.
0: myself and I look across the water and I think of all the things what you do 90s radio station.
1: Absolute Radio
0: 90s.
2: I couldn't not talk to you about Three Lions. What's your relationship with that song? Are you sick and tired of it?
1: (laughs) We're on the best terms we've ever been on, actually. (laughs) We're good pals at the (laughs) minute.
2: Because I was going to say, if you are sick of it, then this is not a good time, because the resurgence last year has brought it back into the public consciousness.
1: Uh, You know, I was always a little bit uncomfortable with Three Lions, because it was such a phenomenon at the time, and then the second time, and the third time. Plus the fact that I decided I didn't want to sing it, so Frank and David were singing it, so I always felt a little bit uncomfortable singing it uh, and I felt it threatened to overshadow things and it mm. was sometimes I really wouldn't feel comfortable playing it and then actually, when it came back again last year or the year before, whenever it was the World Cup, it sort of came back with all the gifts and and <laughs> it became just everybody's song, and it took on a whole different thing and i I just suddenly became really comfortable with it. i felt like this is everybody's song and i can sing it and anyone can sing it and since then we've been performing it in the set i've really enjoyed it quite laughing quite a lot when i'm playing it people love hearing it you know they love singing it and it's become you know we're friends
2: But for me now, it's like it's like don't look back in anger sized because you put it on in a, in a pub or a stadium, and that's it. Like everyone sings along. It's it's become, which is lovely, yeah. But who would have thought that when it was released? Because it, it wasn't. A, I'm not saying it's a novelty song, but it was a song that was to do with a particular thing at a particular time. And now it's kind of transcended that almost.
1: Well, I think part of that is is, is you know so much of the lyrics of that song have gone into popular consciousness in 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 this country. People use snippets of the lyrics. About all sorts of subjects, you know, without even real you know, the whole coming home thing wasn't there before. (laughs) You know, I see it on in so many different contexts now. And even the Three Lions, and initially when we recorded it, people kept saying to me, What what's the Three Lions reference? And it was like you have to say they're on the shirt. oh right, okay. No one even I mean it seems crazy now, but But it's changed that completely now. Yeah. And A lot of other phrases as well, you know, the years of her... You know, the whole thing, it's just... You know, so much of that has gone into the the, the sort of national consciousness. And even at the time, we tried very hard not to just... You know, it was ostensibly an England song, but we tried to write a song that was for the competition and Mm. for fans. And I think it was always a bit more than... Hooray, hooray, we're going to win the cup type of thing. You know, it was never... That. So it's really gratifying to see that it's kind of, you know, in a, in a funny way, that's how it was written, and it has become that. What was the process of making that? Did, did you know Frank and David
2: beforehand?
1: No, uh, it was just an idea that I had. I, I felt like I didn't really want to sing a football song myself, Yeah, and I didn't want to make the usual kind of a football song. I felt if I was going to make one, I wanted it to be... You know, I'm a Liverpool fan and you'll never walk alone i think is is mm. uh, you know has a, had a big mark on me really when i was a kid and and the whole idea of and it, and that is really not about the team it's about the fans it's about the feeling of uh, you know people's struggles or upset heartache whatever it might be so that was the thought that i had you know initially before and one of the reasons i asked frank and david was they were on tv as Football fans, yeah, and I very much wanted it to be in that area, and they kind of took that on and ran with it, and did a fantastic job with the lyrics, and you know, really m- turned it from the idea of that into the reality of that, really. So that they would, they worked on the lyrics, I guess. Oh yeah, no, they pretty much, easy. you know, apart from you know, you know, a little section of it, they they wrote the lyric and. um you know, and we dis- we discussed it, um, and as I say, that was the intention. But they really, you know, got it and did it, which is, you know, so difficult. But I
2: think it's funny you say that. It's it's a bit like you'll never walk alone because it, it is a song that's a football song, but the the music behind it and the sonics and the lyrics as well paint kind of a slightly sad, kind of almost nostalgic picture. It's not your usual kind of football song of we're going to go and win the cup, as you say. It's it's quite like a a nostalgic, kind of very English, British song.
1: I think it's about fans, not about the team. Yeah, And I don't think that's what uh, You'll Never Walk Alone is.
2: Perfect. Uh, listen, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Ian. The reissue of Jollification is out right now and the tour is happening next year. You can hear that album in four. You can book your tickets. Go to thelightningseeds.co.uk We're not creative enough. We're not positive enough. It's
0: We'll go on it's getting back, so I'm getting back, so I'm getting back, It's off, coming getting, back home. It's coming, coming home, it's coming home, it's coming home, it's coming, football's coming home, it's coming, it's coming, coming home, it's coming home, it's, it's coming, football's coming home. Everyone seems to know the coming Sure, that England's gonna throw it away, gonna blow it away, but I know they can play, cause I leave. Re-